thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great today, Ryan. How are you? I am interminable, Todd McGowan. I am interminable. That's how, that's how I am. Uh, so today we are talking about, uh, this is the second, we always try to do these pairs of a well-known text of Freud's and a lesser-known text or lesser-discussed for whatever reason, or perhaps talked about a lot at one point in time and less as time has moved on. And so what we are talking about today is a short essay uh, called Analysis, Terminable and Interminable. And uh, I think there's a lot of fascinating things in here. This uh, is an essay that has a lot to do with technique, but I think there are um, broader themes, connective themes. There's a lot in here about the drive, or is there? Is it the drive? Is it something else? What is it? You know, we're going to work... We're going to work through that. Um, but I think to, um, to start, as we like to do, the problem that Freud is trying to solve. What's the problem? What's the problem that's trying to be solved here? And this is, I think, a really clear one. It's like quite literally stated by Freud early. Uh, how do we know when there's an end of analysis? Is there an end to analysis? How do we get there? Are there obstacles of getting to an end? What are they? How can we overcome them? That seems to be the problem that he's trying to solve, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And and he he how and the other problem is, I think, how do you know when you are at the end, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the other question. Yeah, yeah. And I think you know he it's interesting. He he plays off and this the, he just uses the German word and das Ende, mm. the same word that we have. Uh, he plays off the double meaning of it, right? That that there's an end like it stops, and then there's an end like where we're going toward. And mm. I think mm-hmm. he thinks that those two aren't necessarily the same. So the point at which you stop the analysis, you may not have reached what you're going for. And I think he kind of comes to the conclusion, even though it's interesting, the title, Terminable and Interminable, he kind of comes to the, con- he starts out with the idea that it's terminable. And mm. he basically <laughs> comes to the, the conclusion that it's not terminable. That analysis yeah. itself is not terminable, and so that any termination of it is always premature, or is always mm. a certain quilting of the analysis, to put it into the terms that we often use. Um, so I don't know. So I think that's the that's the the problem he's confronting is how to end it, and how do you know it's over? Maybe those are different questions. Maybe they're the same. So I think that's mm. what he's focused on, and then uh, what's kind of fascinating about this essay is the other things that come up in the attempt to confront this one problem, right? Like there, mm-hmm. just as you mentioned a, a couple of them, I think those other questions, like this question about the drive, how that relates to when to end analysis is pretty, is pretty good. But don't you think it's kind of a practical problem that he started the, the, what he deals with in, uh, beyond the pleasure principle, the negative therapeutic reaction, right? Like somebody, Mm. A, a patient starts to get better and then they relapse and or leave an out or, or, or do whatever and, 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 and sabotage the analytic process. So I think that's part of what it's interesting that that's part of what leads into this analysis interminable idea. Right. And it's interesting that mm-hmm. as the essay moves along, the figure of the drive becomes increasingly prominent in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, it, it's really funny. If, if you know this ahead of time, uh, which I had forgotten from the first time I read it, it, uh, it, it's like he is telling, it's almost as though he is telling the story of how we have to confront the drive as a concept. 
Right. And it's like he's also telling other psychoanalysts that like this needs to be reckoned with. You can't with. just this isn't just an optional part, right? Right, right. Like it, it in he does quite literally say like at one point, I don't have it in front of me immediately, but he says that he is a well aware that his idea of the drive has not been taken up by other yeah. psychoanalysts. Yeah. So he's trying to find ways to justify it. And there's a pro there. And as we often point out, the problem with the way that he tries to justify himself uh, when it comes to concepts that are really tricky is he becomes a dualist. And I, like I said, we'll get to that later, but um, he, refer he uh ends up using as a as a material support of just the ultimate i don't know greek dualism to to try to support the idea but if you are paying attention to the um if you know ahead of time if you listen to this before you read the essay then you'll notice this arc like almost this narrative arc where mm -hmm. he is i don't know it feels to me just because as, as we've been talking it out and like in reading it that like he is trying to position the drive is unavoidable to other people. Like you have to see what, like you have to see this the way I see it. Like, like there, there is, there can be an end to analysis to, it, you can even treat satisfactorily one particular uh, symptom. And then years later, another may emerge that partakes in some of the, 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 some of what in the psyche established the prior symptom but was not anticipatable at the time like right. some other like some later trauma triggers something earlier reformulates it in, in some way and he's trying to work out how responsible are we to this like should should we should we trigger a problem that hasn't ar arisen to the ego as a problem? Right. If like we, we see the patient is talking about this one thing, but we know there's something else. Right. Should we be forceful in, 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 in that? And I think that this is ultimately what leads him to the drive is he's trying to find this, like it can't just be random. Like it, we can't just think the, we have some baseline for the psyche, but you know, it's different in every person. And then they're going to come in and there's different circumstances for why people feel different ways because then there's no way to anticipate that. Like if that's the idea, then like everybody's just a new person, right? Everyone is, is, is completely isolatable, thoroughly unique. What, what purchase does any one person have to be able to say anything about another person? If that's what you believe, you know, like, like that, like, so he can't, he can't believe that. So he has to think, well, there, there must be things that we can anticipate. There must be things that underlie all manner of symptoms that must be in how symptoms even arise in the first place. And I think this is what, this is what leads him to, to, to drive. And it's all, and you can see where it's a problem because he, uh, he does have the like kind of bombshell line that if you start to think in this way, which he, he admits he's been become increasingly more convinced of, uh, the way this is the, I think this is the line, uh, it's on two forty four, the standard edition. If we recognize the case we are discussing as an expression of the destructive or aggressive instinct, the question at once arises, whether this view should not be extended to other instances of conflict. And indeed, whether all that we know about psychical conflict should not be revised from this new angle. So that's way to the, to the, to the end from, from where we start, but that's where he's heading is to say, maybe we do need to revise yeah. how, how we see everything. Because if, if we're interested in the idea of end, we can't be to put it in terms that you, that you and I 
uh, some, you know, sometimes use. We can't be invested in the particular. We can't think about the psyche as the the site of, of the particular. And what we're doing is we're playing whack-a-mole with symptoms, and eventually we can whack the mole totally out of somebody. And what there's there's some other mechanism that 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 underlies the whole thing and that that seems to be if you know this ahead of time that seems to be the trajectory that this essay is on i think that's absolutely right i think it's absolutely right that the trajectory is toward drive and then it's toward the interminable analysis yes right he thinks I, i mean we might qualify that a little bit at the end but it's interesting how he gets to that point because the beginning of the essay is so consumed with analytic practice, right? Like it's, it's, he thinks like, how do you, one of the problems for an analyst is, and I thought this was kind of funny, given that Lacan's idea of the short session. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So Freud Freud says, how do you shorten an analysis? Right. And, and, and Mm -hmm. Lacan didn't, Lacan thought of the short session, not as shortening the length of analysis, but the length Mm -hmm. of the analytic session itself. But Freud's idea is, no, wait, I don't want this person coming to me for six months. I want to get this, I want to help them get it over with. And so his idea is that you, the 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 analyst puts up a just an arbitrary timeline, right? Like I can mm-hmm. see you up until the end of March. After that, you know, you're on your own. And, and he, mm-hmm. for his idea is like this can kind of push the, the analysand into a psychic revelation. So there is a way that it does overlap with Lacan's idea, right? Like Lacan's different though, because you never know when the ending is coming. And Freud's idea is, okay, you tell them when the end is of the whole thing. And then you push Mm -hmm. them toward more revelation. Uh, I don't know which one works better, but uh, maybe they both could work in common. I don't know. Uh, But I think it's, I think it's interesting that he's really responding to uh, failure of, analysis itself and trying to struggle with that. And then that leads him to the speculation. Don't you think like that's really the, that's what he's consumed with. Well, well it's, it's a concern from the very beginning. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like, cause this is very important to, to my work and studies on hysteria. He, he just has this section and because he mentions serial fiction is the reason why I was drawn to this before I get to that thing. It's on uh, 224, Almost speaking to uh, Lacan, Freud writes, another point has already become clear. If we wish to fulfill the more exacting demands upon analytic therapy, our road will not lead us to or by way of a shortening of its duration. So that's that's quite quite funny. I yeah, think that's funny. That, this, yeah. that they yeah. that they're you know, I think you're you're right that they that they do have to be thought together. But Freud doesn't think that that's a a solution at all the way that Lacan approaches right things. and but, I think but, he and, even doesn't he even say this idea of his of giving them a time limit he's like it doesn't really work right because yeah. that's what I think that's why as you what you're saying what the way you started like I think that was really good because he's as you start to think about drive then you get more into this territory of the interminable right you yeah I mean it's interesting too how much more I was going to say pessimistic, but maybe less optimistic he is about analysis, <laughs> right? Like he he recalls yeah. a time where he thought not only can analysis uh, cure the neurosis and get rid of the symptom, but it can even, one of the effects is it will be prophylactic, right? Like it will even mm-hmm. stop a future neurosis from 
befalling a, a, a subject. And I think he, I think mm-hmm. he now, he even says, yeah, I, I don't so much think that anymore, right? So, so he's much less optimistic about the psychoanalytic project, I think, here. I think that's true. I think that what he, well, you know what? You know what it is? is I think he, he would have needed to re- remember himself that he wrote, as, as I interrupted myself to, to say in 1895 in studies on hysteria, he's talk he talks about the end of the session yeah. and what he is writing about the end of the session is that there is often happens that like the, the, the patient's about to say something and then it's over. They got to go. And what he says is like, there's just no other way of arranging things. Like they just like the, the, the it's the, it's the end of the session. They got to go. He's got to see somebody else. Or he's got to do something else. And then right. what he says is that like the, um, whatever it was that, uh, the analyzing was about to say it, it lingers in their mind, uh, more than it otherwise would. And they, that, that they suffer more as a result. Those are direct, direct quotes. And he likens it to when you come upon to be continued in your favorite serial story that like, there's just this like, Oh yeah, no closure. I have to live in this middle. So what my, my take in putting these things together is that like in two, there are two instances in which Freud, like at opposite ends of his career is writing about end and the difficulty of, of endings. And I actually think what he's exploring is middles and the, the uncomfortability of the middle. Yeah. Because it's there. That's because that's what that's what he is with the to be con- the to be continued is all about the middle. That's what that that's what that is. It's not like the second that well, you, if you think about this. I when I was a kid, I, I, I my mother told me this story uh, many times, and I do remember doing this when we would watch TV, and uh, I would I would I would get so upset at the to be continued. And what I would say was, Oh no, it's a continue. That's how I would say it. It's a continue. That's how I would say it. And, um, and then, but here's the thing about the continue, uh, as Charles and Ryan would put it is the second you see the next episode, it's like two, like not even like literally like the second, it could be like 15 seconds. All that tension totally is totally, totally gone. Yeah. Completely gone. And that's, and, and that he, Freud doesn't say this, but like, that's what would have happened. That's what would happen in the sessions. And so his, the problem is that you're always playing catch up because the patient's going to come in and they wanted to finish with this thing. They didn't last time. So they start from the end, but then like, you know, it's like a week or, or whatever's gone by. And then you actually get further away from, you know, treating the symptom. Instead, what you're solving is the uncomfortability of the way the last thing ended. Yeah. And so, yeah. you, you know, it, 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 and, and that is a, that's a, to, to me, like that's a problem of middle, not a problem of endings. And I think, what he comes to here, I, I would I would argue, is that it's possible that psychoanalysis is just a theory of middles, and what what do we do with that? Like how like how satisfying is that to the psyche, and how and how ethical is that as a medical practice? Like he he's because Freud thinks about this, like he does. like what he does, you know, like what what can we do? So these the the this idea of of saying like I've got six months, or we can do a year, or whatever, and like he is. Uh, bullish and stands behind that it does provide some uh, satisfaction to the to the psyche and it does seem to help but it's it's you know and again he's very careful not to use this language it's not a cure and right. so what do you do about that like what like what if there's no cure there's no end if there's no end then what you have is it's just a middle 
what you just have is something that's not terminable. You just have something right. that's interminable. And I think that's that's kind of like what he's what or, he's getting at is the uncomfortability. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. I think that's really right. But I, isn't it interesting that he doesn't theorize the interminable as a form of the terminable? You know yeah, what I mean? That's a like good point. you know, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like he can't. Mm-hmm. And this would be a this is a kind of Hegelian critique, I guess, that he doesn't think that the infinite uh, prolongation of the analysis, even, even you know, whether in analysis or not, right? But some, like, obviously, you don't necessarily have to come to the psychoanalyst for your whole life, but you're, in a certain way, you're doing the analysis, you, you know, the, the analysis doesn't end. And I think that that's, mm-hmm. That's that's what you're saying about the middle, and I think he doesn't really get. He doesn't think that uh, that is a possibility, right? Like for him, it's either mm-hmm. it's just it's either ending or it's not, right? Like he doesn't. Yeah. He, maybe toward the end, he kind of gets to this, but uh, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't. So I think that's a really you know part, and I think part of the problem in this essay is there's so much about the ego attaining mm. a certain mastery over w- over the the symptom right like that's like mm-hmm. he does this seems to be very much an essay about how analysis is helping the ego out right and mm. and i i feel like that's a a misstep on freud's part that mm. I, I i think there are a lot of really great things in this essay but then i think that then, at the same time, I think, well, there are a lot of things where he's just kind of not exactly on the ball. You know what, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Know. You know, just like, no, like I, I, yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, like I, I think, I, no, I think you're right. I, I think that it's part of, I think it's part of the whole thing. I, I think like it's very clear. It's just very clear reading this essay that like I think he thinks he has a solution and the solution is in the drive, but he's really dissuaded from he like from even calling it one thing in particular he 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 says like this uh aggression or destruction or right. something else like right exactly like, and, and it just it just and it looks like it looks like he this is what it looks like on the page and maybe this is too much speculation but what it looks like on the page because he does admit this in the text is that what he he's come up with as a solution to the problem is not very popular and so that makes him He's trying to find a way to get people to accept this idea of the drive. So he's trying to soften it. And what it leads to is a, a kind of uh, a, a dampening of the, the concept. And, and, I, and I think he's also, yeah, right, because he says, yeah, this is shortly after the section I read earlier. I am well, this is the actual line uh, that I was referencing. I'm well aware that the dualistic theory, he's proud to be a dualist, uh, I'm well aware of the, du- the that the dualistic theory, according to which an instinct of death or of destruction or aggression claims equal rights as a partner with eros, as manifested in libido, has found little sympathy and has not really been accepted even right. among psychoanalysts. Right. And so, like, it's it just it seems like he's trying to he's trying to find this way for this idea that's not really popular, but he he is a believer in it, and he's trying to. To, to find a way to, f- to fit this in as the solution of the problem. But he's, he's really, he wants it to seem organic and not tendentious. Like he set this whole thing up for the, the drive to be the, the hero. Like he, he want he wants it to seem like almost like, look, this is why I, I think this way. These are the right. problems that we have. 
is that, uh, and, and analysis can end like that's certainly true, but is that an, is that actually an end? Is that an end of, of the symptom? Correct. Is that, right. Like is, that, is, yeah. That's the whole you question I think, right? Like is the not being an end already an end? And I think yeah, that's yeah. it's interesting because uh, Hegel has this distinction between what he calls the bad infinite and the tr- true infinite or the infinite of the concept, right? And so the bad infinite is the infinite of, say, natural numbers, right? It just goes on and on and on and on and on. Uh, mm-hmm. The true infinite is the infinite where, just like you said it about Freud, like the the struggle itself is the end, right? The circle... Mm-hmm is that like the circle, it's the circle versus a straight line, right? Like the circle is the infinite, mm-hmm. the true infinite, the straight line is the bad infinite, uh, which is not to say the bad infinite isn't infinite, it's infinite, but it doesn't, it, the problem is it's, it's a, it's all, it's always seeking and never finding to put it in the right, psychoanalytic right, right. language. Uh, and I think that, that Hegel's notion of the infinite, the true infinite, it always finds and isn't constantly seeking. And I think that, Freud can't make the move over to that. And I wonder if it's not this, what I was saying, this investment in the ego that stops him. So this is mm-hmm. what he says. He says, the analytic situation consists in our allying ourselves with the ego of the person under treatment in order to subdue portions of his id, which are uncontrolled. Mm-hmm. Which is to say, include them in the synthesis of his ego. Now, that really, like, I don't know that that strikes. I just want to say wrong, 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 wrong. And that's just not. That's a just a terrible conception of psychoanalysis. It's the kind of conception Heinz Hartmann, who's like the founding father of ego psychology, would have had. Right? That seems mm-hmm. like not like in a way isn't what Freud's trying to do more to get rid of this to smash up the way that the ego is a barrier to our drive, right? Not, not align ourselves. I know he says this other mm. places too, but yeah, I don't know. I find this is toward the end of his life. He's already come up with the drive and then there's still this investment in the ego. And I, I wonder if that isn't functioning as a barrier for him to get to some other conception of the drive or to some conception of repetition, which would be this, Hegelian true infinite, right? It's a repetition, it's mm. circular, it's so it's no longer I'm progr it's interesting the relation between, you know, this I think Freud in a way is an inheritor of Kant and this idea that we're constantly there's this constant moral improvement, although Freud doesn't think in moral terms, but there's constant moral improvement, and then we we never quite get there. But mm. Hegel's idea is the, actually, the struggle is itself the end, right? Like that. Mm-hmm. The, the uh, it seems like the later Freud should come to that conclusion, but I don't think this essay is able to do that. I think that, and I'm not trying to make a pun, but we know what he says about negation. I think he just struggles to do that. Like I think it's there, yeah. and like he he's and um, also uh, listeners. Every time in the last uh, forty seconds that Todd said constantly, you imagine it's spelled K A N T S T A N T L Y. The the, this thing here, though, like the, that you found about the synthesis, yeah, of his of, of the ego, it makes perfect sense if um if it's a if it's Hegelian synthesis, which is to say not synthesis, which is right. contradiction. If you swap that word out, 
that, that like I have this like underlined in purple. Uh, as is well known, the analytic uh, situation consists in our allying ourselves with the ego of the person under the treatment in order to subdue portions of his id, which are uncontrolled, that is to say, to include them in the contradiction of his ego. Oh, so Doesn't purple make means you change the word if it's under Yeah, we change the word. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah isn't that interesting. Yeah. And and then a little bit, but it's, it's interesting. I, I do think this is another thing, though, where he is a little bit at, like at, um, he's trying to navigate other approaches and yeah. he's trying to like include because a little bit later he says but in uh i'm just going to read the rest of that paragraph the fact that a uh, cooperation of this kind habitually fails in the case of psychotics affords us a first solid footing for our judgment the ego if we are able to make such a pact with it must be a normal one but a normal ego of this sort is like normality in general an ideal fiction and i like I, so i almost think like shouldn't that be in what you right he's already confessing that the thing he says that psychoanalysis wants to do can't work yeah yeah i I, because i I love this idea um there's a uh, um so i i i I have uh taught uh in the past a disability and media uh studies class at uh, at pomona college and um what there's a great disability studies reader and in the first essay leonard davis who's the editor of the um the whole thing he he just kicks off the entire um volume uh by talking about how normality is like the first problem is like that's the first problem with um in in or th- that seems to be the implicit claim in the volume that the first thing that we have to do in making uh, strides in disability studies and theory and in society generally is to ditch the notion of normality, which totally I am in support of. But he accuses Freud of being one of the people that um, is on the side of upholding a notion of normality, and he has a way out of context quote from something about like. Uh, uh, normal, uh, like I, it's it's like like normal neurotic symptoms and like and sexual. Like he's just trying to make, he's just like trying to make Freud sound like the right. uh, ideological version yeah, of yeah, Freud. Yeah, yeah. And and I and I and the first time I read that, I thought about this line. I was like, no, like because this is what Leonard Davis says in that entire essay is that normality is an ideal fiction. That's his whole point in that essay. And Freud is yeah. obviously saying that he says right that here, exact thing. Right. He right. says that exactly word right here word. and. Right. Word for word. And but it's also perhaps to be fair to Leonard Davis, maybe you could see if you weren't reading if you were reading with this idea in the back of your head and then you're you're you could you could get textual uh proof that, that Freud is on the side of normality because just a few sentences earlier he does seem to be on the side of some normality of the ego. But really I think that's like again, we do, should not be reading Freud uh, as a dualist, right? Like we should be looking yeah. at the tension yeah. and the that is in the text, which is I, I think how we we've started with our uh, commentary on on this essay, and I think it's what we are always drawn to about Freud is like yeah, looking absolutely. at the tension in in, in, the, in the text, and you can see it. It's within paragraphs. It's within sentences. Well, this paragraph is like, like the perfect. It's in section five. This paragraph, second yeah. paragraph, I think. Uh, it's incredible for that reason, right? Like he starts out with this psychoanalysis is aligned with the ego. And then by the mm-hmm. end of the paragraph, he says, well, actually the normal ego doesn't exist. Every ego is abnormal. And, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's not, we're, we're always gonna, uh, there's no, the, uh, unfortunately, what does he say? Like the, there, there, there's only really an abnormal ego. So, 
the ego that we're going to ally ourselves with doesn't, we, we can't do it. So it's, it's I'll, just, so, I'll just read the rest of it. The, the yeah. abnormal ego is unserviceable for our purposes is unfortunately no fiction. Okay. So the, the, the of the right. psychotic, every normal person in fact is only normal on the average. His ego approximates to that of the psychotic in some part or other and to a greater or lesser extent, meaning that everyone at some point has the, the, the ego becomes unserviceable and psychotic in, in a sense. And the degree of its remoteness from one end of the series uh-huh, and of its proximity to the other will furnish us with a provisional measure of what we so indefinitely termed an alteration of the ego. It's incredible. And he puts that right. in, it's incredible. He puts that in scare, in scare quotes because it's like, you what kind of alteration yeah. can you even do it? Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. like it's almost, it's almost as though what he's trying to set up is like, you needed, you need a prior alteration of the ego to be able to alter the ego. And that right. thing is not really possible. So what is it that we're doing? And, and wh- how does this make the problem different now? Like that's, that seems to be what, right. I mean, it would be, wouldn't it be that analysis and he does, I think it would have to, he would have to give up this conception of, allying ourselves with the ego of the person under treatment, right? Like that would have to be mm-hmm. abandoned totally. And you would, analysis would align itself with the drive of the person under treatment, right? Like I think mm-hmm. that would have yeah. to be the, because the ego, I think, and I, you know, Freud, he kind of gets to it at the end here. I mean, it's a great statement at the end uh, of this paragraph, but he, he he would have to say that the ego is really, itself a, a way to try to hide, obscure the drive, or the ego itself is a kind of a, you know, retreat from the drive. And I think that mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. you know, he, I don't think he quite, he, he, I mean, he, he implies it, right? But he doesn't, he doesn't fully get he, to it. I yeah. think, I think he, I think he, t- on some level completely gets it. Otherwise, how could yeah. it even be implicit? Yeah. And I just think he's trying to, I think he's trying to soften the idea. And then I think what like this would be my this is my my speculative reading of Freud is that like he thinks he has this great idea and no one will accept it and immediately he thinks okay this is the resistance to the idea. This is right. what we see in this is what I see in the clinic and but I'm getting it now from analysts. Right. And I know as a clinician I can't just confront people with it like that or else they still won't accept it. They'll retreat further. So how can I smuggle it in? Which is, I think, what ends up happening is he smuggles the the drive in, and then I think you get to civilization as discontents, and he's like, I can't even smuggle it in. Like, I can't even smuggle it in. Right. Sigmund Freud can't even smuggle right. it in. And if I can't smuggle it in, how can anyone confront the drive like right. at, at all? It's just not possible. So I, I, that would be that would be my sort of like meta, yeah I think that's really good analysis of the trajectory I think yeah. it's really good I mean it, it, it's interesting too that he he really stresses here and I think this is another thing he can't quite integrate thinking about the drive into because he really stresses here that he's analyzing the psyche in economic terms or he says either mm. economic terms or he also uses the phrase a quanti- the quantitative factors right like yeah. so he's trying to understand why analysis doesn't end by this mm-hmm. economic. I think what he's, he's saying is there's always this, he doesn't use this term either. Some excess that's left over that creates a symptom. And mm-hmm. even when analysis is relatively successful, it can't fully get rid of this excess psychic stimulation or energy or excitation. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then you, then, 
that's the that's what ends up leading to this interminable analysis. But what he isn't what he's really talking about there, even though he doesn't make this connection. What he's really talking about is the excess of drive, and how that can't be ever fully tamed down by, say, ego. Right? Like I think that's his, yeah. I think that's he doesn't say it that way, but I think you can read this economic discussion back into the terms of the drive, which he never, I mean, the most economic text of Freud is the project for a scientific psychology that Mm -hmm. he wrote in 1895 and never published. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he does it, he kind of, Interpretation Dreams has some economic uh, quantitative discussion of the psyche, not much. And then Beyond the Pleasure Principle, kind of, but he never turns and tries to integrate that into the theory of the drive, I think. It's, in, it's really interesting. He, I, I think he's like, he's circling it. Like it's again, yeah. like, I think it's like yeah. this, I think it's the smuggling because there's this paragraph on one of the money pages, uh, 244. <clears throat> he talks about, um, he tries to give this example of, uh, as a way of setting up why he's going to talk about the, uh, the drive only it's not, only it's not, not just death instinct, it's uh, or nor is it aggression, nor is it masochism, nor is it ju- like it's all of these things because yeah. I, he's trying to he's trying to throw everything against the wall. I think this this is how I read it. I think he's trying to throw everything against the wall and he's trying to see what'll stick, yeah. like what will stick with, for people, like what will make an impact. And so he's got this great paragraph um, that uh, starts at the top of it's it's on the previous page, but it starts at uh, two forty four, and he says uh, we've come to learn that every human being is bisexual and he's got this sense. And, but what he wants to, but he says, you know, of course there, there are some people prefer, uh, gay relationships. We would say now he doesn't have that language or heterosexual relationships. And he, but then there's such starts to be this, he starts to talk about this, like irreconcilable conflict where it, the person can't just, uh, they can't just be uh, gay or they cannot, can't just be heterosexual, but they have to like be, they're aimed at, at, at like destroying the other thing that this within is, is themselves, this, within themselves. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and, and so he's got, then after setting that up, he, he says, so yeah, so he says this, um, like he says, on the other hand, there is no greater danger for a man's heterosexual function than it's being disturbed by his latent homosexuality, which is what a, what a great line. Great. Uh, we might ex- attempt to explain this by saying that each individual only has a certain quota of libido at his disposal for which the two rival trends have to struggle, but it is not clear why the rivals do not always divide up the available quota of libido between them according to their relative strength. Anyway, it, this quota, this quota of libido, there, it's it's almost like because one of the things I want to do with this essay is show there's a, there's actually a spot where you can kind of do like a, a, a really, really nice combination of uh, Freud and Marx here. And I think it's, he, he, he's, tra- he's coming up against the idea that if the psyche is like everything else, like, sh- like you, the bo- your body gets tired. Like if you go running, yep. there's a certain point where you can't run anymore. Yeah. Okay. So there's like, there's an amount of energy that you have that can become exhausted and expunged. Right. Um, for you, that was but, a, like one or two steps. Or <laughs> for me, it was, that's very funny. By you. Yeah. It was a couple steps. And then, um, yeah. I, uh, snapped my banjo. Yeah. So the, yeah. So yeah, for about one or two steps for me, other people, maybe three or four, if they're lucky, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. Um, th- no, no, no. <laughs> I know it's very good. So th- there is there, that's a, 
again, like biologically speaking, there is you can you can become exhausted. Right there, 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 there's a, a scarcity of of energy. Yeah, and uh, of course, e- any economic theory, well, not any, but many and most and the most popular economic theories are based on the idea of scarcity, well, scarcity of resource. Ryan, and, and I think whatever. you can go even further, right? Economics as a discipline is born. Yeah, I think that's correct out of the idea of scarcity of resources. If there was no scarcity, there'd be no need for economics as a discipline. So yeah, but yeah, you're exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So he, what he's found here though, is there seems to be no shortage of energy that this is a, a constant. There's no, this, this thing in the psyche does not get exhausted. Like it doesn't behave the way other things do the other way. Like the, the quote natural fat. Now he, like, I, I do think he is maybe importing this idea of, the scarce resources, which as you and I know, it's just because of capitalism that there is an idea of scarcity at all. It's not, it doesn't pre-exist. That's not a natural fact of the world. It's capitalism that makes the the scarcity a a thing, right? And it becomes reified. So, so I I think perhaps he's leaning on that a little bit, but it's like, there should be some scarcity of libido uh, or, you know, some, some scarcity of, of, uh, of psychic energy. But when it comes to the drive, there doesn't seem to be any, it seems to be limitless. Uh, the, you know, like the, the line that I like from Murakami, right? The, the hell has no bottom. Yeah. There, the, yeah. there's no, you know, the drive, the drive has no bottom. I think he's coming up against this and I, he's trying to come up, come up with a way to explain it. Yeah. And so he's given this example that he's seen in the clinic and then he's in, then like he's not yet at that point of, uh, and I don't, maybe he doesn't get there because again, he's trying to smuggle it in and get other people to see it so that he can really develop the concept, but he's not seeing that like the negativity of the drive is uh, uh, an economics of scarcity need not apply. Right. Like it, it, I, it, yeah, it's, it's inappropriate to think that but way. But yeah, yeah, I know he gets it here, right? It's, it's kind of amazing. I think this is it's a, such an amazing discussion for so many reasons, but the one of the reasons is he gets how... I mean, he kind of has a great theory of homophobia here, right? Like, yeah, like yeah, he, yeah. he's like, well, you could just divide up and everyone could be happily bisexual. But then he says, mm-hmm. we're forced to conclusion that the tendency to a conflict is something special, something added to the situation, irrespective of the quantity of libido. So it's not like, oh, there's not, mm-hmm. there's just like you said, it's not like there's a scarcity of libido. So the heterosexual drive takes, or desire takes it all up, right? Like, no, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like the conflict is, there's a tendency toward conflict. And I think that's pretty, and that's what he's, you're, so you're right. So there's first this excess of libido, right? That, this pure mm-hmm. excess. And it's combined with a tendency toward conflict. I think that's pretty great, right? Like that yeah. it's not, it's not just, there's this excess of the drive, but there's also this excess that is, generated and i think maybe he gets the order wrong because maybe it's generated by some conflict in the psyche right like mm-hmm. maybe the yeah. i don't know i don't have a theory about that but um well no but todd sorry to i mean sorry to interrupt but i think yeah. this, is, this is helpful remember the the thing i talked to you before and i didn't know if we're, this is going to be um something that would come up in the course of the conversation but a phrase he uses in this essay that he doesn't he scarcely uses ever before is instinctual conflict which right. in the German is what? Triebskonflikte. Yeah. Okay. So, that, so, so should be conflicts drive. of the drive, right? Yeah. Or of drive. But it comes exactly. It comes up several times in this, and I, I, well, I could only I could only find 
one reference and the subtleties of a faulty action and from 35. And then the earliest thing I could see it in was in a difficulty in the path of psychoanalysis, which uh, not for nothing is the essay where he says that um, the un- unconscious, like the unconscious means that the ego is not master in its own home. Oh, wow. and you know, and so that like, has, has there been a shift? Does he, ha- does he want to say that it's the, it's the drive that means the, the ego is not master in its own. Yeah. Role. I think he but would he, say that. Right. I think he would. I think it makes sense based on the other things he says here. But again, I think it's this, it's the smuggling in of the concept. So he's like, he's around the note. It's a very jazz essay. From, yeah. Uh, that's from for Freud. sure. You know, right, right. Yeah. Right. There's no, it doesn't really have a logic of it's, it's, it's the notes he doesn't play Todd McGowan. That's what we're focusing on. That's here, right. But also, this, this also essay. it yeah. is, I mean, the, there is a general movement, right. From, mm-hmm the possibility of ending analysis to the how to conceptualize the drive. That's basically the trajectory yeah. of the yeah. analysis, I think. And, 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 and I think in this section, he basically is saying that the drive is beyond economy, right? Like that, mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. what he's kind of getting at because he's saying, uh, this, that, uh, he says an independently emerging tendency to conflict can scare in the psyche can scarcely be attributed to anything but the intervention of a element of free aggressiveness. It's just a great mm. free aggressiveness. I mean, where that aggressiveness is directed is important maybe, right? Is it yes. directed to the mm-hmm. self or is it directed externally? And I think the term aggressiveness is unfortunate as you've been chronicling. Mm-hmm. He goes through all these different ones and aggressiveness suggests this external uh, like in what it, it's almost Hobbesian conception of, mm. of of subjectivity as 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 inherently violent towards others or something, but um, right, 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 which I don't think he thinks. Uh, no, but because he's here, he's describing it as this inner conflict that the drive generates with the psyche itself, and it's so funny because uh, I guess we could talk about this now, right? That 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 the essay concludes with this radical dualism of drives. And he mm-hmm. really, really emphasizes that. But here, he's basically, it's not like, oh, uh, this this problem of homophobia is caused by, there's Eros on the one hand and there's death drive on mm-hmm. the other, like the two. No, it's <laughs> this is basically, all he's talking about here is is death drive and it's, disruptiveness it's destruct it's destructiveness right mm-hmm. and yet then he retreats from this almost immediately to talk about this con- this conflict between the destructive and the and eros so i find mm-hmm. that very odd that he doesn't he almost gets to the idea that there is one drive mm. and then mm-hmm. he he then falls That's a back song am i right about that no, it's one love. I'm kidding. One Keep going. <laughs> I think it's just <laughs> called one, actually. But yeah, it is just yeah, called one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's one drive, but There's we're not the drive. same. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah. I think that's. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, I think it's 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 really interesting that he, because he can't see the way what to, to just because we often use this term, but it's just very, like the difference between we did a whole episode on it, but the difference between a a. A, a dualistic conception of drives and a dialectical mm-hmm. conception, I think, is really important. Mm-hmm. I, and everything mm-hmm. rides, rides on that. And so, a dualistic, like he says here, 
You have Eros on the one side. You have mm-hmm. Death Drive on the other side. He never uses the term Thanos. Thanatos, by the way. I, people oftentimes I know. attribute that to Freud. He really never uses it. He never uses mm-hmm. it. So if you ever hear someone say Freud's, it's like when you, I, I was just reading an essay. Maybe it was, a, I mean, I wasn't reading. I was listening to someone. And they said Freud's concept of the electric complex. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Where is that in Freud? Exactly <laughs> nowhere. Same thing with Thanatos. Where is that in Freud? Uh, nowhere. Nowhere. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's, uh, it's funny cause I was a, f- a really close friend of mine was writing about Thanatos, Thanatos. I'm, and I just made this mm. point and, and he says that he said, uh, yeah, Freud does say it. I'm like, uh, where he's like, I'm not good with citations and stuff. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like yeah, especially if you're looking for that one, you're, no one's going to be good with it. Uh, can I, yeah. Can I tell you, you have to not be good with citations. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you ain't going to find it. Yeah. You're not going to yeah. find that. So, so those are, so it's interesting those two. So, but anyway, but if you think there is, so to think dialectically about drive, so it means that they're mm-hmm. not one side and the other side. Dialectic instead mm-hmm. says that there's a split within Right. So mm-hmm. that's why you can say, that's why I said one, right? Like you can say the drive is singular. There's one drive and we're not the same. And we're not, that's it. That's right. That's yeah. the, how the YouTube song fits in perfectly. There's one drive and we're not the same, right? And, and it, it splits itself. And so mm-hmm. the way, and, 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 and so its destructiveness is also creates the need for this unifying force of eros right to to then give us something to destroy and take apart so th- so that's mm. how i think you have to conceive of it dialectically so not as two separate forces but rather one force that has these different manifestations to it mm-hmm. yeah it's i i think that's that's really great uh and i think very very helpful and i think it's 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 implicit in and what he's trying to work out is because he, he doesn't, it's really funny. Like I, I, I would almost go. So, I mean, he, he calls himself a dualist. He says it's a dualist theory all the time. Um, except I don't where there isn't, where's the Todd, where's the theorizing of the other side in this essay? Well, that's the thing, where, right? Like, I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, here's let, let's just, like the arrow side. You mean? Yes. Well, that's what yeah, I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that's what yeah. I mean is that there is no, he doesn't, he, he says it's a dualism. He says a dualistic theory, and then he spends all the time talking about the drive side, which means, like, this is how I think I would read it again, the jazz reading, the what's not here. You know what's not here? Eros isn't here. Eros. Here, let me give you the, what Freud himself would have thought that he would say back to you. Mm -hmm. I think he would say, he would think that he would have said, well, wait Mm -hmm. a minute, all my other work about sexuality is about Eros. That's mm-hmm. what he would have thought he would, the implication of what his position was. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Even yeah, though yeah, yeah. I get it. That, yeah. I, I, but I think that's wrong because the way that he conceived of sexuality has much more in common with the way he's conceiving death drive now mm-hmm. than with some kind of mystic unification of, you know? Right. So, so I think that's what he thought. He ju- in fact, Todd, he just said that doesn't exist in that paragraph I read. That's from, right. That's that there's right. not th- that there's not this unity, and like, and and I think maybe this is where, this is where, 
he again to talk about the smuggling for, for here if if other analysts at the time weren't they weren't they didn't want to accept as he says in this essay they don't want to accept this idea of a primary masochism and he is very careful not to use that phrase in this yeah. essay by the way um the so the, but they won't accept a primary masochism then how is he gonna go to saying this is the this is a general this is a theory of ontology. Jones says this and imagine there's no woman. And she's absolutely right that the drive is Freud's ontological theory. Yeah. But if he can't get other people in his club to, to put it really reductively and stupidly, yeah. if he can't get other people in the club to, to, to go along it. with it, how is he? Yeah, yeah. exactly. How is he going to get people outside yeah. to do it? So, so I think that you, you can see that like, you could almost see a path like you could almost see uh, like a, 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 a Marvel cinematic universe, uh, multiplicity universe, an alternate universe where people did accept it. And then the concept of Eros drops out. Yeah. And and he and he says we can read all prior um, theorizing on sexuality through the primary masochism of the drive, period. That sounds like something he would have written. It does. It sounds like like, yeah. you know, like. Uh, but but he but he has to have that this idea. It's almost like the like the idea of eros is is an idea of polite society that he has to maintain until there's enough support for the idea of the drive so that he can ruin polite society yeah. again. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, with with the like that that that's just what it what it it's just, that's how how it reads. Like if you if you if you come at it from the side of the the drive is this this concept like like i i I, i'm almost willing to to move our conversation about it like where the problems are that when freud becomes a dualist i think i want to cast it as it's the problems where freud believes that he's a dualist but he's really doing a a a dialectical thing because it's not there's no there's no theory of eros in this there's only it's a it's a it's a great point ryan there really isn't and and there also isn't in civilization's discontents right where he also talks about my fundamental dualism I've always maintained yes. blah 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 yes. blah blah but no no where is the where is the you know there's no sense of the of the other that's of the th- you know there's there's a real clear sense of death drive mm-hmm. but there's absolutely no sense of of eros i mean i mean i it's it's, it's funny you know that you know this line people always say it now mm-hmm believe people when they tell you what they are, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I, I think mm-hmm. it's a terrible line because, of course, people never, they only tell you what they are in ways that they don't mean to tell you what they are, right? So that so I right, think it's right, a terrible, right. but I think w- if you could take that as look at what people don't say when they're mm. talking and then understand that what they're talking about is what is where we, their concern lies, I think that's what you should look at with Freud, right? Like he he says what they don't Eros, talk what they don't talk what they don't talk about is where the concern lies. No, I was going to say oh, I mean, yeah, okay. I think that's right in a sense, but what I I okay. I was thinking for Freud, it's that he says I'm concerned with Eros and Mm, death oh, drive. I see what you're saying. Yeah, but yeah, sorry. Where is the discussion of Eros? Right? Like, yeah, like yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like don't listen to what he tells you he's concerned <laughs> about. Yeah. Yes, look yes, at what right. he actually does. And I think that's 
that is the lesson. And I think that's a real lesson of psychoanalysis, but it's a lesson even to be applied to Freud himself, right? Like if he mm-hmm. really cares about Eros, then let's have a little theorization of it. But there is yeah. there's Zippo. I think you're exactly right about that. That's really, I think that's a really crucial and key idea. Don't you think also, like if we're going to go along this path, isn't the, um, it seem, it's like, he names Eros, which makes it seem important, and he doesn't name the other thing. I know. Which is why people, which is why people substitute Thanatos for it. But because it seems like, well, if it's so important, it has to have a name. But it's almost like it's because he names it that it's unimportant, and it's because he doesn't name the other thing that it's the mo- more important thing. I think that's right. Important. Like, don't you think that you could look at it? I think this is how I would even dialectically think of it. Like, uh, drive is the genus. Mm-hmm. Right. And and Eros is one of the species of drive. What's the other species? Uh drive. Right? Like like there's <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. like it's the it's the overall. And then Eros mm-hmm. is a little species of it. And but the it it itself is a species of itself too. Right. I think that's how you mm-hmm. have to think of it. I mean, that's the dialectical mm-hmm. that's how Hegel thinks dialectical relations. And I think that's the I think that's the way to think of it. But again, that goes so against his own self-conception. And he even he even goes crazy on this, doesn't he? With this this whole uh Empedocles and the and the <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know Greek dual he's he spends a good like yeah. two or three pages on Greek dualism between like philia and strife, right? Like this whole yeah. and he thinks like this is the this is this fundamental opposition to principles everlasting at war with each other, right? Like that, I think yeah. he really, he thinks that I've got this forerunner in mm-hmm. Empedocles and I'm going to latch myself onto that. But I think, I think in a way you're right. Like if his own idea had been taken up more enthusiastically, i.e. at all, he would yeah. have, he would not have maybe felt like he needed to have recourse to the Greeks, yeah. right? I think. Well, and and I think you can tell. I think you can also tell there the um a, a, a like a like a resistance in this section. If there was ever um a point in the entirety of the standard edition post nineteen twenty when he could have used the word Thanatos, it would have been here, right? I mean, he's actually talking. You know what I mean? Like he's actually talking about Greek theories. He's talking about Empedocles. Like he like he could have named it. He could have substituted, like his my idea of Thanatos. Like he could have said that. He, yeah, he, he could have. But he doesn't. Yeah, he, he doesn't. doesn't. And and I think it's because even though there's even though he has this this long example relative to the the, the length of the essay, this long example of of using the ancient Greeks for for support, he doesn't fully graft his idea onto it because I think somewhere he knows it's it's not the same idea. It's some, right. it's something else, and it's also mine. And he doesn't want to. He doesn't want like he does have this. Um, I'm very like two forty five. I'm very ready to give up the prestige of originality for the sake of such a confirmation. Like what a great line. Like because uh, he he wants he like he doesn't he, he sees the um, I think rightly the the newness and the yeah. the originality of the idea is something that is threatening about it. And again, like I go back to the a difficulty in the path of psychoanalysis. What that whole essay is about is that, you know, that's, that's where he, the, 
listeners, it's the, the famous, the essay where we should spend some time on it sometime, but he, ha- he says there are, there are three great thinkers and three great theoretical, you know, yeah. interventions in history. Um, and that is, uh, Copernicus, which yeah. his, of course, heliocentrism. So he, uh, separates a uh, human humanity from uh, the center of the universe, right? And then Darwin, uh, in the theory of evolution, makes uh, humanity not the chosen child of God, but a the development of a series of increasingly more complex accidents and mutations. You know, so like what a right. what a blow that is. And then what what is Freud doing in his whole theory is you so so we're not the center of the universe. We're not the we're not the chosen children of God, so we're not we're not the we're not the center of of life on on the planet, and um, actually your ego not even the the center of your own being. Right, it's, you're, you're not even in control of that, and like so, and he says those are all those are three psychic blows, and I think it's not I think it's it's not coincidental that instinctual conflict is he he uses that that you know uh trebes conflicta right that, yeah. that he goes he uses that phrase again that he had previously used there yeah in this essay that is so much about drive because this idea about drive is another psychic blow it's another blow and it's a, I, and it's a it's a blow to it's even a blow to most of what freud wrote which we I, say I which we kind of say that. all the yeah. time yeah it's yeah. a great point yeah. it's a great point ryan that it's a blow like the unconscious was a blow to everyone else and Freud was mm-hmm. happy about it. Right. <laughs> but yes. the, the discovery of the drive was a blow to Freud himself. And I think yeah. there is so yeah. much evidence for it. Like why didn't he rewrite interpretation of dreams on the basis of this new understanding of the drive? Because it does, it yeah. almost completely invalidates the way that he conceived wish fulfillment at the time. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It almost mm-hmm. does. So, but he doesn't. Like it really, mm-hmm. I think he himself, it was unconscious how much this new theory disturbed him, right? Yeah. Like it, it really yeah, yeah. does. It's a blow, <laughs> unconscious blow to humanity. Sorry, drive was a blow to me and to my yes. psyche, my ego. I think that's absolutely 100% correct. And I think that yeah. he's trying to find a way to... And I think the the dualism isn't in a way to try to retain all that other stuff on the side of Eros, and then so it retains its validity. So I think if mm-hmm. I think that's why he does yeah. it actually. Like I think if he okay. gives up the dualism, then he does have to dismiss interpretation of dreams and all the other early work as misguided because it didn't take into this it didn't take into account this other this conception of drive. I mean, I think one way to think of it, this is how I think of it. Like think about what it is that drives a couple apart, right? Like um, mm-hmm. let's, let's take, uh, have we talked? I can't remember when we did screwball comedy, did we talk about his girl Friday? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think know if we, we did. did. Did we? I don't think we did. I think we did uh, bring up baby and we, we maybe cause I have this, I have this principle when you do a playlist, you only do one song per artist per artist. So right, probably, right. yeah. So probably I would have made it clear cause we weren't doing a Hawks episode. Right. So, that so it should only have been one. And I think we did bring a baby. I know so we did bring a baby. Right. So, so yeah, I'll yeah. talk about his girl Friday. So, uh, I think it, what's interesting about his girl Friday. So, um, the, uh, Rosalind Russell character is a, is a reporter who works for, I'm going to use their real names, Carrie Grant's, her name is Walter Burns. Her name is Hildy Johnson. Okay. So 
Mm-hmm. She works for uh, Walter Burns. The Cary Grant is the editor at a newspaper. She's the top reporter, right? And they, at the beginning of the film, they're getting divorced, and she's remarrying someone else and getting out of the newspaper business. And she's like, "All you do," she says to Walter to Cary Grant, "All you do is bring me suffering, and and you keep my life in a constant turmoil. I was supposed to go on a honeymoon and said it was on our. We're doing a story. It just, and I'm gonna, I want to settle down to Albany with this guy, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be great. And what the end of the, or what the course of the film shows, and in the end, is that the very thing that she experiences as destructive for her is also the thing that makes a person attractive to her. So this right. new guy, I forget his name, uh, he's, he's, he's stayed and nice and, and wouldn't force her, not force, Walter doesn't force her, but uh, compel her, encourage her to work, and, 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 and he would give her romance, all the things that she feels like she's missing. But I think what's Todd, nice, he's that guy. He's that guy that looks like Ralph Bellamy. He looks like Ralph Bellamy. <laughs> he is that guy that looks like Ralph Bellamy <laughs> from that other movie. It's all true, right? Like, uh, yes, yeah. Is it? Is it, it's all true. Is that what it is? Or what? I think that's. The, I think that's the rest of the line. Yeah. yeah I yeah. think we did mention this on that podcast. Yeah, it's a way, great because it is this kind of yeah. uh, internal reference to another screwball comedy. Yeah. Within yeah. one. Yeah. 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 Uh, and they say the guy's actual name is an actor. The actual name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But but the, I think what's great is that it you could read this film in in a dualistic or a dialectical way, right? Like you could say, okay, so um, Hildy Johnson, Rosalind Russell is attracted to Cary Grant because of the, the way that he their work goes, and like that 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 there's something interesting about that. But then what pulls her apart is the way that he's overdoing it the way he doesn't uh, allow for her to his too overbearing et cetera, et cetera right so you could see that to think of it dualistically there'd be these two separate forces at work but I think if you think right. of it dialectically you would say here's the problem and this is why analysis is interminable here's the problem the very thing that draws her to Walter mm-hmm. is the thing that repels her from him as well yeah. the very thing that yeah. makes him an appealing, romantic partner is at the same time the thing that makes him aggravating to her. So you can't, and I think this is the, to me, that's the elementary lesson of dialectics that you can't get, you can't say like, wait a minute, I want the nice thing without the the bad thing, without the bad thing, right? Like like the, the whole point of it is that the, it's the, it's the bad thing. Like it's Walter's inability to go on a nice vacation with his spouse Mm-hmm. That makes him someone who actually treats women relatively in an egalitarian way, unlike the Ralph Bellamy guy, right? So I think the that Ralph there, Bellamy, yeah, yeah, I I find something really, really appealing about that way of thinking about it. But I think it nicely puts into relief this opposition between uh, uh, dialectics and and dualism. Yeah, well, and and that's very very nice. It's it's also it's not that like. I think um, uh, there's a common idea like, well, you have to see the good in in the bad, um, or the or the bad in the good. But that you've already missed dualism. it. You've missed it. Yeah, right. because what? Because the idea. I think the idea of the, of dialectics is that like you have to see how the good comes from the bad, exactly. and that the bad like comes from the good. Not that like not see the like not see the the the, the sunshine and the clouds or, or something like that. Like which is 
actually privileging the uh, more palatable element over the more unsavory absolutely. one. Absolutely, absolutely. What dialectics is is that you have to like you you, you sorry you got you have to you only you only get the savory with the unsavory right like the, right. the like the, and, 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 right. and it's the it's the same time it's not it's it's you you can't have the one without the other it's absolutely inseparable which is where i think freud ends up uh de facto landing de facto with, uh, right yeah it's interesting it's right kinda, because it, my mom when when she was she had difficulties with my dad she would make a list of like, these are his good mm. qualities and these are his bad qualities, oh, right, 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 should right. I stay with them or not? And then, so she's, so sometimes she's got, she had this funny thing, she'd, go, she'd get down to the end and it'd be tied, you know, should I leave him or not? And she'd put, <laughs> doesn't have AIDS and that was the tiebreaker for oh, a God. good quality. <laughs> so I, I, I thought that was pretty funny, but she, she was, um, she was not thinking dialectically, right? Like that's a perfect no. example. Even though yeah. you're considering the negative, you're mm-hmm. you're considering it as separate. Yes, right, yeah. right, right. It's I do think I mean I do think that the uh, the 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 relationship uh, corollary is a uh, is is a really good one because it's like um, oh well you know sometimes this person is blank and it's like no all the time they're that all the time they are that thing and and the thing that you like and it's 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 a uh, like. I, 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 I do think, I think it's probably pretty reasonable. Like, uh, like the, I, I don't think it's a surprise that, um, that your mom had like a list that was a, t- a tie. Like, I think w- you would almost like people are, are drawn to making it a tie, right. uh, because it is. And it's just like, um, I, I, I guess I suppose I would say this is, is that like, well, you know, not that, not that this should be like a relationship, uh, a podcast or, or self-help or whatever, but like, isn't, isn't it the, like, it's the thing where are you, the difficulties you're having with someone, are you asking them to, to see something in a different way? Or are you asking them to be a different person? Yeah. Yeah. And if you're asking someone to be a different person, then it's probably, you have to extricate yourself from that situation. That's probably, probably too much. Yeah. I, and, I also and, think like I, what you were saying, like maybe the person you should be with is the person for whom it's a tie. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah, know, yeah, like maybe yeah. that's the that's the thing. Like yeah, if there obviously if there are too many negatives, then you shouldn't be with them. But maybe or, by, yeah. maybe even on the other side, like if it's too much of too much of unity and freshness and <laughs> and sweetness and light, then you also shouldn't be with them either. It, yeah. I mean, like uh, either. I mean, like right. Well, is, isn't isn't either a, a path to apathy? And then that's yeah, a, yeah, that's just yeah. what's worse than that. Yeah. Um, agreed. Agreed. Uh, yeah. So I, what I want to do is to turn toward this, uh, this like last thing in, um, in the, in the essay that it's like, it's just the essay just so chock full of things like little, little, little nuggets, like all over the place. And, and this one I find really, uh, in, it's inviting. It invites, uh, more, uh, conversation than, than there is space in the essay. But, uh, Freud talks about the impossible professions yeah. and this gets attributed to him as like, it's his idea, but it's really funny in, he had earlier mentioned the idea of impossible professions in this, um, preface to Icorn's wayward youth, I think is, is what, is what it is. And it's, 
and what he says in that... One of his most well-read, often-read <laughs> works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, right. Certainly. Everyone has it on the tip. The kids are always asking me, yeah, they like, are. oh, can we, why are we doing Beyond the Pleasure Principle? Can't we talk about Freud's preface to Icorn's wayward... I'm always hearing that. It's so yeah. fucking annoying. Yeah. Uh, no, obviously, who's heard of this? Uh, but in that text, what he says about um, the impossible professions, and he names them, which is uh, healing... Uh, government and education. He calls it a bon mot, right? Like a like yes. a common like a saying or something. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. That there are three impossible professions, and it's 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 working in working in uh, let's just say healthcare, uh, working in government and working in education, and that's just really really interesting. That like that was a, that was a saying, um, and uh, or, or 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 rather a cliche of the yeah. time, and we have completely lost that. As an, as an idea. And I think the reason why I'm spending some time on it is, is like, so you do a couple things with this essay. I had said, I had put a flag in this earlier. If you wanted to bring Marx into this, uh, why would you want to do this? Well, Marx has no conception of the psyche and that's like kind of not his fault. Any way that anybody listening to this can think, thinks about the psyche, whether you are, you know, uh, you you read Freud, uh, you know, like a bunch and like you're, you know, there, there are things that you're extracting from psychoanalysis that like that you love and you make a part of the, the way that you think of your psyche and that, whether you, or, you know, or you're an analyst or you're, you know, uh, you're, you, you consider yourself uh, a, 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 a theoretical practitioner like Todd and I, you know, whatever, whether you're on this side or, the, or this is new to you doesn't, however you think of the psyche, not available to Marx. There's, Marx could not have thought of it that way. It just, it's just, you you really have to understand that like the, you know, the psyche was an invention, just like, I don't know how I didn't know this, but you told telling me, uh, yesterday that, um, showing up at the beginning of a movie had to be invented. That was invented, you know, invented by Hitchcock for psycho. Um, and, uh, so there, so, so the idea of the, like the psyche as a, as a form, like that, it had had to be had to be one fought for invented like in and smuggled in to the way that we think about internal life uh, at, at any point anyway so marx didn't have any of this so what he does and what he especially doesn't have uh is an idea of a primary masochism or and that people would do things and not even not that people would do things that undo them, not just that they would do things that they would undo them, but that they would seek these things out is right. not an idea that w- would have been percolating for him. And it's unfair to think. So, so there's no real psyche in Marx, uh, which I think is fine. Cause that's not his fault. I think it's a problem when there's no psyche in Marx for current day Marxists. I think you're letting yourself off the hook. Uh, for some reason and because and it's just like a little bit easier for why are the problems of the world like you like if there's no psyche and there's no masochism of the psyche uh then why are there problems in the world it's like well it, it all it all becomes actually an economic problem somewhere else people either don't know enough they don't have enough access to things or, or and, and usually i think it does come come down to knowledge or they've internalized Right. Uh, the their their own oppression, and so then so then that's where the psyche exists. But again, it's like a mistake. Yep. And 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 so that I is uh, is I think a an issue. And so if you wanted to, if one were uh, um, motivated to bring Freud into Marx, and not just like have this like smash and grab application, but like really what's in Freud, a, a place where um, an economic 
theory uh, and the capitalist critique that Marx develops is appropriate to bring in and where in Marx is there, you know, a place kind of like crying out for, for a theory of the psyche, right? Like finding these mm-hmm. like appropriate points of, of, uh, of intersection. I think this is a really great essay. And I think this idea of the impossible professions is really important uh, in, a, in a, in a site for this because what is it, it's, it's, I think again, not coincidental that Freud is bringing up these impossible professions, healing government, education in an essay that's about the difficulty of ends. Yep. And because these are, these, he doesn't say it this way, but these are professions without ends, all three of them. And what we have in contemporary society is these are three professions, um, that often do have ends determined by capitalism. Right. And there are three professions that cannot have profit motivation. They cannot, or they fall apart. Education cannot be profit motivated. Government cannot be like, that's what, what, what are the phrases that people come up with? Regulatory capture. That's what you have problems with government when, when, when profit is a, is a motive and yeah. you have corporations writing policies and things like that. Yeah. And the enlargement of the wealth of politics, like you can't, that that's no basis. Uh, strange women distributing swords is no basis for government <laughs> like that. Like that's no basis for government. Um, and then in, uh, I can't remember if I did education or, or, or no healthcare. Healthcare, Healthcare. Can't, like that's yeah. the the U, the United States is the is the object case of profit motive cannot be the uh, you yeah. know the end point of uh, of healthcare. So I think this is it's a really really nice it's a gr- it's a great idea. We've got three, you know, you've got three, and I, I I don't I don't know that I would add a fourth. Uh, I, I mean, maybe we could, but like I I just I do think that healthcare, education, government. Profit cannot be the motive here. And the reason why profit gets installed as the motive is that's capitalism solving this problem of end and the uncomfortability of the middle. That's sort of my idea. On this. Yeah, like yeah. That's yeah. that's why we are where, where we are with these three things in our own world and why I think this is, it's a nice nice place to bring uh, bring Marx and Marxism. Yeah, it's a great, it's exactly a great point. point. Thank it's, you. It's really a great point. And I think that, I, you know, the, the way that you have to introduce an artificial end to make it, to make those work, right? Like the, to turn them into capital, right? Like mm-hmm. the degree is an artificial end of, of education. Yes. yes. Politics. I don't even know what it would be <laughs> like the conquest yeah. or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, no, that's I'm, no, but that's not a, like it, it, that made more sense. Right. To, like, like, doesn't that psychically doesn't like, that's why, that's why, um, when Trump was president, he was like, oh, why don't we buy Greenland? Why right, the right. US should be an imperial right. power? You know, because it seems like right. that's like a very easy way for there to be like progress and advancement. And an end. Uh, right. And an end. Yeah. You know, like yeah. all of all of these things it is is there's there's something like there's an immediacy to it. Right. Well, that, and that's and the, I think to health, too. Right. Like you think like I'll take this drug and then I'll get cured of this ailment and then I'll be healthy. But of course, yeah. I mean, if anyone knows, I mean, if you've ever, if anyone's gone to a more of like a naturopath or like your body is never completely diseased or completely healthy, right? Like it's always yeah. a little bit diseased and a little bit healthy. Like, so I think that that is like, that's the proper way to think about the body even. So I think all of these ways that capital tries to introduce ends mm-hmm. into these things that don't have an end. Uh, mm-hmm. And even Freud is, I mean, in a certain way, is struggling with that to make analysis terminable 
allows it to get charged to insurance, right? Like if it's, you can't put, oh, it's <laughs> yeah. interminable. You can't, you, they got to come for their whole life. It's, well, yeah. 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 So like there, like there is that thing, like the, the ethicality of it. Is it like, is it, it's more, it's more true to the concept that analysis once started as interminable, but how, how, um, psychically like for one, like how psychically helpful is that? And, right. and how like, and, and then in a, in a material way, how materially ethical yeah. is that, you know? Like, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a, I, I, you know, like, I think I said this to you the other day, like, um, like what if it, like we, we don't have space in the world for the idea that you are a professional student, you know, right. you have to be, to be that you have to be a professor. You do. Like, you're to, allowed to do to it if a, you're a professor. Yeah, but yeah. that's it. But that's it. So you, yeah. we don't, there's no space for it. It's just like I just want to. I just want to learn. I just yeah. want to read things. Like we don't have. We don't have space for that yeah. because there's there's nothing like what what product what end product is 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 right. coming from that. And I think right. that that's that's always the thing. Like where's the end product? And that's the like long long time ago. I, I said this like one of the one of the things that like psychically the like conservatives win on over any any left of center politics of any description is that the, 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 the right just has an absolute uh, uh, hold on the quote, gets things done yeah. idea in politics in, 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 especially not, not, not even when the things are harmful to the, to the people, to their own voters. It's especially when things are harmful to their own voters. Like that's when they get, are getting things done. Yeah. And, and, and that like is, is, um, yeah, it's just I think I, again, which why I, I come back to this thing where like the middle is hard. It's it's like yeah. it's the hardest thing. Yeah, you know, like it's 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 very uncomfortable to yeah. be sat in the middle and you don't know when the end is coming, and uh, or if there or if there is going to be one or, or 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 you know you can't prepare yourself or and you don't know like in a in a trajectory isn't doesn't there often come a point sometimes you watch some movies where you're like you forgot how long it is at the beginning and you don't know at what point in the movie you're at, you know? And so like, yeah. I know this happens to me. Like sometimes it's like, it's interesting. That used to happen all the time, like obviously, there, but it happens like less. could be 20 minutes, but maybe there's 40. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 So I, 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 that's what I, that's what, that's what I would, uh, yeah, it's crucial. I, I, I think, I think, yeah. I think it's, it's something here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's such a great, it's such a great analysis of that, that idea of the impossible profession. And that's what this essay it's probably that's the thing this essay is most famous for that discussion, right? It's funny, right? Like it seems yeah. like like that. I mean, I don't know. Just even even just that idea of the um of the uh, of the end for, for he he subs and the first time he says it he says healing and then he uh, specifies in this essay that it's psychoanalysis, psychoanalysis not yeah. just not just uh, like healthcare in general, but yeah. I think he would agree with the yeah. point you made about like. Yeah. What's the, it's like the, um, what was it? Like, uh, we brought this up in the debt episode. How do I get whole? Yeah. You know, right. like you, like if you think about that with, um, with, with your own, with your own healthcare, you yeah. know, like mental or physical, like it's just, yeah, that's you not never get whole, right. never yeah. get whole. All right. What's the lesson, Ryan? Uh, well, I think that last line, never get whole, it's a pretty good literal lesson, but obviously we always want to film. So what's a film? I know we mentioned His Girl Friday. I think it has to film be His Girl you, Friday, doesn't you it? You think it's in His Girl Friday? I guess, I guess that is a good point. I guess that's a good good essay for, good essay, that's a compliment, uh, for, um, for His Girl Friday about not 
you don't get you don't get whole. You don't. It's it's, yeah. it's against complementarity. Yeah, it is. It it's really is. The, it, even though it ends up type. right, it ends up with the couple coming together, but it's an anti-complementarity film. So there you go. When did Howard yeah. Hawks do something wrong? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> that's the real. That's the real question. That's this whole thing. This whole thing we did on analysis terminable. This whole podcast. This this whole thing that we we're just you know you if you want it you want to. The, the the notes that we don't play this whole thing has just been about which is trying to set up where where did howard hawks ever put a, put a foot wrong yeah that's i think this whole the whole that's thing it. we've been doing that's it yeah all right over now ryan over now todd